Hey guys, it's Maya and I just wanted to jump in right before the episode starts to promote my take social medias. I'm trying to do a lot more with Instagram. I've really surreal. I'm thinking of creating some new content for shorter, more fun, like IGTV reviews. So it would be really amazing if you guys could go follow my take on both Instagram and Twitter. It's at underscore my take and hopefully you'll love the content we're putting out. A murder mystery on the high seas by Stuart Turton. I am so in. Stuart Turton wrote The Seven and a Half Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle, which I have read and I have done an episode on. So if you read that book, go listen to my episode. And if you haven't read that book, go read that book and then go listen to my episode. It's definitely worth the read. And this new book is called The Devil in the Dark Water and it is set in the 1600s and follows this group of people traveling from Batvia to Amsterdam on this ship that's part of this fleet. But before they leave, they're warned the ship is cursed and obviously they go anyways. And we have a Sherlock Holmes kind of character in Sammy Pips is on board, but he is locked up in a jail cell. So Arendt, who's his Watson character, has to figure out like why the ship is haunted, why they're cursed, what's going on. And it's so good like a historical murder on the high seas like it is everything i needed in a book books tv music and movies all things that make a big impact on your boy i'm constantly gushing about my latest read to anyone who listens so i figured i'd turn my rambling into something coherent that people will actually listen to which means no tuning out halfway through i'm my gosh and this is my take start with a little bit on the writing now first we just have to start with something that's about the book itself and that is the fact that on the book it's a hardcover because it just came out recently there is a map of the ship on the inside of the cover which is incredible and I love that kind of detail and it was so fun and really helped you like visualize the setting because the ship plays a very important role in the book and that like it's your setting everybody is contained in the ship it's kind of like a locked room mystery in a way and that like you think you know everything that's going on you think like nobody can get on and off the ship without people knowing sort of thing so that is very cool and the book is in third person omniscient so we see everybody's points of views which is really important in a book like this because there are so many characters and so much happens like I don't understand how Stuart Turton writes books like he does because both Seven and a Half Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle and this book have so many characters with so many interconnecting relationships and pieces that are woven together like I got it reading it and you get it reading it like it's complicated but you get it but I don't understand how he can create this world like I would be so confused trying to write a book like this it's so insane but it's just it's crazy and obviously has a crazy ending and like all the stuff unfolds in the last you feel like five pages and you're like holy shit totally shook because you didn't see any of it coming and just I generally like his writing I think it's fun so yeah that is what I have to say on that now we're going to jump into the plot and buckle up because a lot of shit happens and we start with poor Arnett and Pips who get rocks thrown at them as they're making their way to the boat because of Pips imprisonment 
and then we see the leper on the docks who warns them that the ship won't make it before he bursts into flames but he had no tongue so he couldn't actually be talking to us and sarah love her this is our introduction to sarah she is like the duke's wife but she gets out of her carriage or her area or whatever and helps give him something for the pain before Arendt then puts the leper out of his misery and like I love that that's their first interaction too because like I love Arendt and Sarah so much like they are so amazing and Pips you know is like look the ship is under threat and haunted maybe we shouldn't go but her husband's a dick Sarah's husband is a dick so obviously they're going and Sarah also tries to tell mistress Chris 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 G Cressy? Cress. Cress G. Cress G. That's how I'm going to say her name. It's C-R-E-S-J-I-E. Cress G. That's what I'm saying. I'm sorry if I'm saying it wrong, but that is what I'm saying. But Cress G is Sarah's husband's mistress. And I love the relationship between Sarah and Cress G because it's so fun for somebody. Like, they should be adversarial, right? Because it's set up to be adversarial. That's the trope of, like, the wife and the other woman they never get along but they get along great and i love their friendship but crusty stays on the ship because she doesn't want to leave and they basically are like okay we're gonna work together to try and get information on this and this is one of the first times where you're like looking back on this retrospectively makes a lot of sense as to why she's staying on the ship but like anyways that's for later moving on we also see the priest, Kurz, and Isabel sneak aboard amidst the chaos. And so you have, like, them introduced as characters. And Pips has to defuse a fight between Arendt and the crew by announcing that one crew member has cheated the other in dice. And this is the first display of how truly, like, Sherlockian Pips is. Because he's like, oh, I saw this and this. And he pulled out all these little clues. And he's like, because of all these things it stands to reason that, like, you're cheating him in dice. And also, it's, like, very Sherlockian in the fact that, like, Pips has knowledge of this because Pips used to cheat people on dice, right? Like, that's a thing about Sherlock is his character and the standard detective from the emergence of the detective fiction era, which Sherlock Holmes is really, like, the emergence of the genre of detective fiction, is that they have a lot of knowledge that people don't have right so like not the everyday average person would know how to cheat somebody in dice but pips has this knowledge and so pips is able to put it together and the only reason i know so much about this is because this semester in college i'm taking a writing seminar class on detective fiction it's actually really cool so i spend three days every week 50 minutes three days a week talking about detective fiction and how it emerged as a genre and the characters and stuff so it's now really fun because i read this a little bit ago from like when I'm recording it and so I wasn't necessarily as immersed in that class and so now it's really interesting looking back on everything that happened with my lens of like having analyzed detective fiction for a lot for a long time like I've written two different papers on detective fiction and stuff so it's really interesting but it's really cool like the parallels between Sherlock and Watson and Pips and Arendt are very very strong right like they could be the exact same characters which is interesting and that was a lot of dialogue on a very simple scene and this is what my seminar is doing to me but 
after that fight gets diffused, we learn that Sarah pays the carpenter to tell her about Bozy the leper. And Bozy bragged that he made a deal about this word that nobody knows. And Arendt has the same scar as this mark that appears on the ship. And Arendt then asked the captain about Bozy because Arendt and Sarah haven't joined forces yet. And learns that Arendt basically is the governor's nephew. He's not related to the governor. The governor being uh, Sarah's husband. I think I said Duke earlier. He's actually the governor. The governor basically helped raise Arendt. So that introduces a new power dynamic, right? Because the governor's an asshole, especially to Sarah, who becomes very important to Arendt later. But interesting power dynamic too, because Arendt's so loyal to Pips and stuff. But he also like thinks he can get in favor with the governor. But Han, the governor, won't tell Arendt why Pips is being held prisoner. And the mark that Arendt has is one that was believed to be of the devil that popped up a bunch 30 years ago, right after Arendt got it. And then we throw around a bunch of ideas about where we could ha- like set up a trap because everybody thinks that like the ship is booby-trapped in some way and that's why it's cursed. But we have to rule out the gun store because it wouldn't be enough to sink the ship if they blew up the gun store. But we learned that if someone killed the captain, the power void would sink the ship. So that's another interesting power dynamic is like we have the power dynamic of the governor who basically controls the back half of the ship where all the civilians are. And we have the power dynamic of the captain and the boatswain and kind of the first mate controlling the front half of the ship. And so they're, you know, at odds, which produces some stuff later. And we also were in, in a connection to the devil, which is being called Old Tom. Chrissy's, Chris, Chrissy's husband hunted Old Tom, and it was believed that Old Tom slaughtered her husband. So she thinks that Old Tom's back to finish off the job with her. And Arya and Sarah finally swap information, and I really like them working together, especially knowing what it leads to. And Sarah left dinner to find Arendt and she sees him and dressed and like they're playing instruments and stuff and she enjoys spending time with Arendt. And this was the first moment where I shipped them. And it's very funny because I'm shipping them while they're on a ship. But um, she gets back to her cabin. She sees the leper, but he disappears before anybody else can see. So Sarah's convinced she saw the leper, but the leper is gone. So like Arendt believes her obviously because Arendt's like the best character in this book but nobody else believes her because she's a woman in the 1600s so fuck off then we have the midnight walk with Arendt and Pips and we learn that Arendt's grandfather is part of this gentleman 17 which is this very powerful organization and it's looking like both Christy and Arendt have connections to old Tom and they are only on board the ship because of the governor the governor is the one that got Christy Chris G on the ship and he's the one that got Arnt on the ship so for now all roads kind of lead back to the governor and then we have the eighth lantern which is the most like freaky part of the book the first time it happened because we were like there are seven ships why is there an eighth lantern what the fuck is going on right like I didn't you know use my brain and think it'd be really easy for one ship to put up two lanterns and you wouldn't be able to tell because of depth perception but the eighth lantern was freaky we learn that first mate Larm has a best friend charm. It's not really a best friend charm, but they have two halves of the same good luck charm, so it's kind of like a best friend's charm. And eventually later on we may learn that that means that their ship married. So 
it's like a like the financial side of a marriage contract so if one of them dies the other one gets their spoils from that passage so that's an interesting connection that we have we find out that Kurz got a letter from Krushi's husband two years after he died asking him to come to Batvia but her husband had never been to Batvia so there's a lot of suspicion with like her husband and his activity as a hunter of old Tom and also now like it is done really well because not a lot of that suspicion gets cast on Christy even though it's her husband but that happens and Kurz also heard Bosey's confession because he's the priest he holds confessionals and he heard the confession that the devil basically wanted to sail aboard the Sardom which is the ship they're on and Sarah sees handprints burned into the side of the ship below her porthole that go straight into the ocean which is presumably the path the leper took because he jumps out but we don't hear a splash or anything so then now it looks like the leper just crawled straight out of the ocean which we obviously know isn't possible but it's good like misdirection then the constable helps set up the fight between the boatswain and aren't to get answers and he's like okay lose the fight to show his power and get your answers and that is good and then sarah eavesdrops on Hans and Voss and we learn that they summoned old Tom a long time ago which is how Arendt's dad died and how Arendt got the mark so they basically summoned old Tom to like wreak some havoc and Arendt's dad died but it wasn't that bad that Arendt's dad died because Arendt's dad was like an abusive asshole and Arendt and Sarah find Lerm's secret compartment on the ship and Arndt then confronts the governor, learning that his grandfather arranged to kill his dad to protect him, right? So it's like, we don't really feel sympathy for Arndt's dad because he was a fucking asshole. And Arndt's grandfather was like, look, I was doing this to protect you. Well, the governor tells Arndt that his grandfather was doing it to protect him. And Sarah has this plan that she's going to knock out Han so that she can move around the ship. And he knows about her connection with Arndt, which like, fuck, because... I love her and Arendt, and I didn't want him to do anything, and so he puts her on cabin arrest, which, like, fuck you, why? And then rapes her, because every time they've been together has been rape or rape adjacent, because she's not really been a willing party. I mean, no court in the 1600s would be like, oh, a husband sleeping with his wife is rape. But, like, from Sarah's point of view, you can clearly tell it's not really consensual. She just feels like she has to do it, because that's the standards of society in that time which fucking sucks and I fucking hate it. We also find out that fucking Han only married Sarah because he knew she hated him. Basically, he was brought to like her house and she had a bunch of siblings and he could have married any of them, but he knew that Sarah hated him and he wanted to spite her dad. So he picked Sarah, which like, fuck you, like fuck off. And then the eighth lantern shows back up and everyone's standing around and then the chickens all get slaughtered and their blood is used to draw on, to draw the mark and the rosary that is left behind used to belong to Arn's dad which like how the fuck is that not on the ship and Voss proposes to Krishti who's sneaking in to get information out of Han because we knock Han out and Krishti who's supposed to like sleep with Han every night is going in to get information and Voss just proposes and then old Tom comes and whispers to a bunch of people and it tells both Christy and Sarah to kill Han and honestly I would have done it because fuck off like you have the um protection the legal protection at that time of being possessed by old Tom and Han is a fucking asshole so I would have done it they're better people than me 
and Wix, the boatswain, now is gonna fight Arnt with knives. And Chrissy finds a letter claiming that Pips was a spy, and that's why he's arrested. So now we learn that Pips allegedly is a spy. And Han has a list of names of people Christy's husband hunted because he thought they worked with Old Tom, but he won't let them turn the boat around because he's a prideful little bitch. So they have to spend two weeks trying to outrun the storm, and everyone survives the storm, thank God. I thought people were going to start dying in the storm. Everybody survives, but it sinks a bunch of the other ships in the fleet. We go to try and retrieve the folly, which is part of why Han is so intent on getting to Amsterdam and the Gentleman 17, because he has this folly. And we go to retrieve the folly, but instead we have the mark, and basically the folly we later learn is this, like, compass kind of thing that was very advanced technology for its time. Now it would just be, like, a good historical relic, but at the time it was very advanced technology that would have made Han a very very rich man and that is why he was trying to get it to the gentleman 17 and pip deduces that Voss stole the folly and hid it in pieces in powder kegs and was going to put it back together but one of the pieces got destroyed by somebody or something happens and leah makes the model of the ship which is how they find the secret compartments which is where they found larm's secret compartment beforehand and she invented the folly. So go Leah. Leah was not in this book enough. Like, I would read a spinoff about Leah with some different mystery or something because I fucking love her. And she was not explored enough as a character because she was a daughter and I hated it. But I loved her as a character. And in one of those hidden compartments, we find Kerr's body. So he's dead, which is lovely. And Arit gets fucked over in this fight because Wix makes a plan to sabotage and kill him. But Arnt wins the fight because he's a badass. And we learn that Laxagar, which is the word Bozy was spouting off about, means trap in the language that nobody but Wix understands. So Bozy got a deal to build a trap. Lovely. And, okay, the only good part about this fight being sabotaged was the fact that Sarah has to patch Arnt up. And literally, that is part of any good rom-com. Like, all good rom-coms, not all good rom-coms, but, like, a lot of good rom-coms have a scene where, like, person A is patching up person B, and it's literally, like, beautiful and amazing, and they always have this moment, because it's best done before they've, like, admitted feelings for each other, because it's really awkward, because you're in really close proximity, and you're just, like, staring into each other's eyes and breathing each other's air, and it's really, like, an intense moment, and then it passes, and you're all like, why the fuck did you not kiss? But part of any good rom-com, so I was very happy that it happened. And Arnt does have to concentrate on his pain so he doesn't get a boner while it's happening, which, like, confirmed my suspicions that, like, they were going to get together. But I didn't really need that detail, Arnt, so I, yeah. And Larm destroyed part of the folly that he found, right? So the folly's never going to be put back together. And in his past, Han paid people... To slaughter an entire island of people so you could get a bunch of jewels. So Han is, like, legitimately a bad dude. Like, besides being abusive and rapey towards Sarah, which was, like, totally acceptable in the time period. And, like, not acceptable now. Fuck off. He's a terrible character. But, like, by 1600 standards, that would not make him, like, a terrible person. But he slaughtered an entire island full of people just to get these jewels and make himself rich. So, like, even by 1600 standards, he's a terrible person. And Arnt follows Boss, who tricked him. 
And Voss basically was stealing jewels that Han had taken from that island. And that is why Voss had the courage to propose to Christie because he was stealing jewels and thought he was going to be rich. We all thought Voss was stealing the folly. He wasn't. He was stealing jewels. And Voss is trying to kill Arnett, but the leper shows up and kills Voss and saves Arnett. So now, like, the leper's not just here to wreak havoc. Like, he helped Arnett out. And Han goes into his cabin, and the Eighth Lantern shows up, and then Han won't come out of his cabin. And Sarah tends to Arden and makes sure Pips is okay. Sarah's literally the best. She's like tending to Arden after his near-death experience. When Arden's out of commission, she's making sure Pips is okay, which is what he would have wanted. Like, I fucking love her. She's amazing. And Wick tried to kill Arden because he made a deal with old Tom. And then the leper kills Wick. So the leper is like killing people left and right. And Han was stabbed to death, which was amazing. I love that. I was totally down for Han being stabbed to death. And then we learn that the Viscountess is one of the people who was possessed. But when Sarah goes to her cabin, it looks like no one's used it. And there's a replica of the Demonologia, which is the book that Isabel has. But it's really a diary of everything that happened. So the Viscountess is a character that we haven't really interacted with because we've never really seen her. But we're introduced to her. She's like technically a player in the game so that is suspicious and Isabel and Wick were kind of friends and Wick used to work for the Viscountess so again kind of suspicion hung around her and the letter luring Han back to the Gentleman 17 was fake so there's a lot of fake letters in this and what it's making me realize is I'm very grateful to live in the 21st century where we have like phone numbers and shit because you can't really send a fake letter, right? Like, if one of my friends sent me a letter, or somebody sent me a letter claiming to be one of my friends, I would call my friend to be like, why the fuck did you send me this letter? Why did you not text it to me? And they would be like, what are you talking about? I didn't send you a letter. And then I would realize I was trying to be scammed. So, very grateful that I don't live in a time period where you can just fuck somebody over by sending a letter. And so, the whole circumstance surrounding this voyage is sketch, right? Because, like... If Han was lured here, so Ara and Christy have reasons to be here because they were lured here by Han. But Han was lured here by you know, fake reasons. Kurz was lured here by fake reasons, right? Like, it's a whole mess. And Sarah was getting the folly plans out of Han's cabin so that Leah could copy them and sell them so that they could pay for a sanctuary in France once they arrived in Amsterdam because they wanted to get away from Han, which, like, I love Sarah for having an escape plan and for wanting Leah to be able to, like, explore her creative and amazing side, and, like, that was lovely. Dredge kills Van Schuten, and Crowell turns the soldiers uh, towards Old Tom, but then Dredge kills Crowell's and stages a mutiny. And the extra cargo that's been so secretive about this entire book was actually the treasure from the slaughtered island. And Arendt and Sarah and all are trying to form a plan, but the ship just breaks apart. And Arendt wakes up on the beach and finds an injured Pips. But thank fuck, Sarah and Leah and Crushier are all okay. And Sarah and Arendt kiss when they find each other on the island. And I was like, that whole confusion about the shipwreck was all worth it because Sarah and Arendt are kissing. Then we have to learn that Dredge has this fucking plan that to keep the musketeers in line, the plan is to offer up all the non-married women to let it just be, like, allowed rape. Because that's the only way. Because, to quote one of my favorite podcasts, 
unlikable female characters, the penis must go where it's called. So, their whole entire plan is just, like, I just, I... You could probably have a 20-minute discussion on society and the rules of society and how society functions in that this is literally the plan. Like, I could probably have a whole episode just discussing the fact that this is a plan. I'm not going to do that because we're already 25 minutes into this episode. But, no. Like, no. 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 And then... Aren't going off because obviously he's not going to let this happen because he's a decent human being. And he finds all the well-stocked cabins and he realizes that the knife in the heart of Han was a decoration. It wasn't actually the murder weapon. And Sarah realizes that Han sent old Tom on families and paid Christie's husband to pretend to be a witch hunter. And once the families were ruined, he got to take over basically. So Emily, the Viscountess, we think is doing this for revenge. So basically what they're realizing is... Emily killed Han with a long blade that she smuggled in through her rug because she was very, very specific about this rug that she needed. And we send Pips off in the rescue boat and Isabel drugs everybody to cleanse them of old Tom, but it was actually a charade to draw out Crushy because the mistress, who we didn't think anything about, is actually Emily, who was one of the families, and she set this up for Han because... Han, Arndt's grandfather, and her husband used old Tom to ruin her family and make themselves a fortune, and she wanted revenge. And she set up the whole island. Like, she, there wasn't supposed to be a mutiny. They were supposed to, like, just get sent to old Tom's island, and they would be, like, rescued, and she thought it was going to be fine. And holy fucking shit, Pips is her brother. And this was a long, long con. Like, they planned this shit out for years pips built up his role as a detective for years like they really played the long game but i love that in the end we're like we're gonna robin hood this shit and leah and sarah and christy and Arin and pips will now use old tom and turn old tom on the rich and powerful that don't deserve to be rich and powerful and i loved it so, to wrap up this episode, I loved this book. It was good and crazy, and sometimes I was a little confused, but I was definitely not expecting the ending, and I love the historical murder mystery on a ship aspect, and it's really interesting to me, like I was talking about earlier with my detective fiction seminar, is that you really see how this kind of is, it's a very good, interesting mix between a Sherlock Holmes murder mystery and in Agatha Christie, because in Agatha Christie, and that's Golden Age detective fiction instead of like Sherlock Holmes, which is the emergence. But Agatha Christie novels, it's a game. It's meant to be played. And I don't necessarily think that you could play this game. I mean, you could, right? Like it's set up, you have all your characters on the ship. You have your detective character, you have your Sherlock, and you have your Watson. And you have the board, right? Like, the ship is the board. You're not leaving the ship. The ship is all the resources that they have. And you have all the players, right? Because everybody that's on the ship and everybody that we've been named, we literally get a list of people, passengers on the ship in the beginning. And so it's interesting to see that, how, like, we have, I mean, you know, you could compare uh, Pips to Hercule Poirot, too, because Poirot and Sherlock are very similar. Um, and I think this actually probably does fit more with Golden Age because Pips has a little more of Poirot's flair for the dramatic, and obviously, you know, he's been an actor, this has been a very long con, but it's just really interesting to me having, like, 
that knowledge and that context for detective fiction where detective fiction has come from to like look at this novel and so it's it's really good and it's really interesting and even if you don't have the context it's just an amazing novel and I would totally read another book about our whole gang setting up another one to punish some rich family and like I would love to see the behind the scenes right I would love to pull the curtain back and like see this from a different angle and I think it would be a really interesting book and I would love to see how Leah develops as a person I would love to see how Arnt and Sarah's relationship develops like it just it would be such a good book and such a good spinoff and we it would be my Leah spinoff that I would love too so I wish that that would happen and I really hope that that happens eventually this also would make a very good adaptation so I hope that that happens but yeah I have been Maya Ghosh and this has been my take on The Devil in the Dark Water by Stuart Turton Thanks for listening. So we're kind of a one-woman show here at My Take, so the credits are not going to be very long. This podcast is produced and edited um, by me. I do all of my own social media. The only person I really have to thank is one of my great friends, Paris, who did the music that is in the intro and that you're listening to now. So thank you, Paris, and thank you all for listening. You can reach me at underscore my take on Twitter and Instagram. And please leave a rate or review wherever you listen to this podcast. That helps a ton. So yeah, thanks for listening.